Section 8 of A Journey Round My Room by Xavier de Maistre Translated by Henry Atwell This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 28 The Upset Carriage I had at last nearly reached my bureau. So close was I that I stretched out my arm so I could have touched the corner nearest to me. But at this very moment I was on the verge of seeing the fruit of all my labours destroyed, and of losing my life. I should pass over in silence the accident that happened to me, for fear of discouraging other travellers, were it not that it is so difficult to upset such a post-chase as I employ, that it must be allowed that one must be uncommonly unlucky, as unlucky, indeed, as it is my lot to be to be exposed to a like danger. There I was, stretched at full length upon the ground, completely upset, and it was done so quickly, so unexpectedly, that I should have been almost tempted to question the cause of my abject position, had not a singing in my ears and a sharp pain in my left shoulder too plainly demonstrated it. This was again the other who had played a trick on me. Startled by the voice of a poor man who suddenly asked alms at my door, and by the voice of Rose, my other half suddenly turned the armchair sharply round before my soul had time to warn it that a piece of brick, which served as a drag, was gone. The jerk was so violent that my post-chaise was quite thrown from its centre of gravity and turned over upon me. This was, I must own, one of the occasions upon which I had most to complain of my soul. For instead of being vexed at herself for having been absent, and scolding her companion for its hurry, she so far forgot herself as to give way to the most animal resentment, and to insult the poor fellow cruelly. Idle rascal, she said, go and work. An execrable apostrophe this, the invention of miserly, heartless mammon. Sir, replied the man, hoping to soften my heart, I come from Chambury. So much the worse for you. I am James. You saw me when you were in the country. I used to drive the sheep into the fields. And what do you do here? My soul began to regret the harshness of my first words. I almost think she regretted them a moment before they were uttered. In like manner, when one meets in the road a rut or puddle, one sees it, but has not the time to avoid it. Rose finished the work of bringing me to good sense and repentance. She had recognised Jem, who had often shared his crust with her, and she testified by her caresses, her remembrance and gratitude. Meanwhile, Jeanetti, who had gathered together what was left of my dinner, his own share, gave it at once to Jem. Poor Jeanetti! Thus it is that, in my journey, I get lessons of philosophy and humanity from my servant and my dog. Chapter 29 Misfortune Before proceeding further, I wish to remove a suspicion which may have crossed the minds of my readers. I would not for all the world be suspected of having undertaken this journey just because I did not know how to spend my time, 
and was in a manner compelled thereto by circumstances. I here affirm, and swear by all that is dear to me, that I projected it long ago before the events took place which deprived me of my liberty for forty-two days. This forced retirement only served as an opportunity for setting out sooner than I had intended. This gratuitous protestation will, I know, appear suspicious in the eyes of some, but those who are so ready to suspect are just the persons who will not read this book. They have enough to do at home and at their friends, plenty of other business to attend to, and good, honest folk will believe me. Still, I freely admit that I should have preferred another season for my journey, and that I should have chosen for its execution Lent rather than the carnival. The philosophical reflections, however, that have come to me from above have greatly aided me in supporting the loss of those pleasures which Turin offers at this noisy and exciting time. It is certain, I have thought to myself, that the walls of my chamber are not so magnificently decorated as those of a ballroom. The silence of my cottage is far less agreeable than the pleasing sounds of music and dancing. But among the brilliant personages one meets in those festive scenes, there are certainly some who are more sick at heart than I am. And why should I picture to myself those who are more happily circumstanced than it is my lot to be, while the world swarms with those who are worse off? Instead of transporting myself in fancy to that sumptuous dancing hall, where so many beauties are eclipsed by the young Eugenie, I need only pause in one of the streets that lead thither, if I would learn how happy is my fate. For, under the porticoes of those magnificent apartments, lie a crowd of wretched people, half naked and ready to die from cold and misery. What a spectacle is here! Would that this page of my book were known throughout the universe! Would that everyone knew that in this opulent city a host of wretched beings sleep, without covering, in the coldest winter nights, and with no pillow but the cornerstone of a street, or the steps of a palace. Here, again, is a group of children, crouching together for protection from the deadly cold, and here is a trembling woman, who has no voice left to complain with. The passers-by come and go without being touched by a spectacle with which they are so familiar. The noise of carriages, the shouts of intemperance, the ravishing sounds of music mingle not unfrequently with the walls of those unhappy creatures and fill the ear with doleful discord. End of section 8